Well, hello. Greetings, everybody. This is Chris Latore, your host of issue number 10 here of the Sunspots Comics podcast. I can't believe it's number 10. I think 40 years ago, right before Vietnam broke out is when issue number one came out. Can you believe it's been that long? Insane. But thank you for following us at Sunspots Comics on Instagram and Twitter. And thank you for looking at our website and putting your eyeballs on it at sunspotscomics.com. And even more thanks for jumping on to facebook.com slash sunspotscomics and checking out the good stuff there. And also, for those of you who have written in an email to chris at sunspots.com, sunspotscomics.com, thank you very much. Your, if you, there's some letters coming up. If you've been selected, I will be reading it, and I will be sending you a free comic book-related gift. So please send your love, your questions, your whatnots to chris at sunspotscomics.com. And let me tell you, issue number 10 is quite the cornucopia of comic book craziness. It is just packed, packed, jammed, stuffed, just like you would never believe. It's, a, it's just a, a, a beautiful, packed sausage of amazing comic book goodness. So thank you very much for tuning in. How are you? Are you good? I'm excellent. Thank you for asking. So let's jump right into it. Right into the show, top of the show. I'm going to be playing a 13-minute interview, a movie interview, Avengers 2, second time around. It was me, my siblings, Jonathan, Bobby, my son, Justin, and my sister-in-law, Ashley. We all decided to check out a matinee on Saturday of Avengers Age of Ultron. And I did just a quick impromptu, didn't really tell them I was going to do it or write anything down. Just had my mic and asked if if they wouldn't mind. I record their voices and ask them their opinions on Avengers 2. So we sort of nerd out for a minute. And it's kind of interesting because my sister-in-law wasn't really, she's not really into the whole comic book realm of things. So here it comes. I'm just going to throw it right at you. Here's the 13-minute interview of Avengers 2, second time around, and me and my siblings. So hope you enjoy this. Here you go. All right, hey everybody, this is Chris Latore with Sunspots Comics, and I'm at my brother Bobby and Ashley's house in Brea, and we just got done seeing Avengers 2. It was the second time around for me, and I thought I would take a minute here to record everyone in the room. I've got my son Justin. Hey, what's up? My younger brother Jonathan. What's going on? My younger brother Bobbles. How's it, family? And my sister-in-law Ashley. Hello. So I thought I would just uh, do a short review of Avengers 2. The second time around, four of us, except for Ashley, all four of us dudes here, have all seen it before. This is the second time around for us. So we'll just kind of discuss that and how we feel the experience was the seeing Avengers 2 for the second time. And we'll go over to Ashley, wrap it up with, she's the first timer here. So we'll try to keep our, our minion nerd speech to a minimum and get Ashley in here <laughs> so she can at least understand us instead of all she hears is, ba-da-ba-doy, ba-boy, ba-da-ba-boop. So we'll start with Justin, since he's physically closest to me, standing awkwardly, just so close. Are you from, are you from Europe? I mean, what's, what's going on? <laughs> so, Justin, what did you think? Was this your second time? Yeah, yeah, it's my second time. The first time I saw it, I saw it on opening night. So Opening night, like as a Thursday midnight, or you were Friday day night, you know, Friday night? That's Thursday night. I saw it at midnight. Awesome. All right, so, so comparatively, the first time at midnight... You got, I mean, uber nerds there, right? Everybody like, mm, I can't wait for this to begin. <laughs> Compared to now, though, what did you think? Uh, it, it was definitely better the second time around. I, what? Yeah, yeah, the first time, you know, there was 
I had a couple of friends with me that kept asking me questions because I'm the nerd of the group. They have always asked me questions like, who is that? Who's the guy with the gem on his forehead? Is, is, is he in the comic book? Uh, what what page is, is in the Marvel? Yeah, so it was definitely a lot easier to pay more attention. You know, it, it was quieter in the theater. There was less people. It was a lot more fun, I guess, this time around. There's a lot more stuff you catch that you don't. I think there was a total of 12 people in the theater, and we were five of them. Yeah, there, was, there wasn't that many people. There was, I think we were in the center of all the people, too, so it looked like there was a lot of people, you know? So, But it, it was definitely a lot better the second time around. I, I, I do feel that way. And uh, there's, there's stuff that still kind of let me down from the first movie, but, you know, it was still a good movie. It stands alone. What's your favorite part, then, of, of Avengers 2? Uh, my, my, probably my favorite part is the fight scene in the boat where they meet uh, Andy Serkis' character, only because, you know... Uh, everybody's sort of in their own element in a smaller sort of setting, so everybody's kind of dialing their stuff down and kind of fighting, you know. Yeah, real close quarters, right? Close quarters, yeah. That was, that's why I think it was a lot more fun. You have Iron Man kind of stuck in the area fighting Ultron and all that kind of stuff. So I feel like that one was a little bit, that was probably my favorite fight scene of the of the whole movie because, you know, everybody's so tightly knit into that boat, you know. So that was that was fun. Did you know that that whole boat scene is tying into the Black Panther, and and Andy Serkis's character is the bad guy Claw for the Black Panther, and the reference to Wakanda, that's where the Black Panther is, and the vibranium comes from. So yeah, there's a little inside. Mm-hmm. So well, thanks, Justin. We'll go on to my brother Jonathan right here. So John, this is your second time seeing the movie as well, right? Yes, it is. It is my second time. Did you see it like premiere night, like Jables over here? No, I did not. I saw it uh, a few weeks after it came out, and I actually had better seats the first time than I did the second time. But it was definitely enjoyable the second time as well. So, did you uh, did you think so far? I mean, Justin liked uh, seeing the movie the second time around better. Are you in that camp as well? Did you enjoy seeing Avengers two the second time more than you did the first time? Absolutely. Um, there's just a lot. You notice a lot more. The everything is just little details and things pop out so much more frequently the second time around. So. It was definitely more enjoyable the second time. What's your favorite uh, part of the of the of Avengers two? Uh, hands down, the fight between Veronica and the Hulk. It was just the most exciting moment um, of the movie, I, I think, except for the final fight scene. Yeah. Veronica, absolutely. I think they just they took the fight scene everywhere that you would wish it to go, and just it was just absolutely no holds barred. I mean, buildings falling down, just stuff going crazy. So I mean, it, it was it was great in my book. It seemed to go both ways, and like you know, you didn't really know who was winning. And okay, it's an even fight, but who do you think then took it in the end? I'd have to go with my main man, Iron Man, dude. <laughs> Honestly, you know, if it was a fight to kill, it'd probably be a different story. But um, uh, Iron Man, I would have to say right now, it's one nothing. I think the jab count was definitely up for Iron Man, right? <laughs> Overall, and as far as a scoring battle and boxing goes, I mean, hands down, I rate, I, I score uh, a ten nine uh, Iron Man. 10-9 Iron Man, excellent. I think that he landed a lot more punches, honestly, because Hulk was just like a little all over the place. His eyes are red. He's swinging and scrapping stuff, right? He also did a lot more property damage than Iron Man too. So you know, <laughs> did you catch? Did you catch that that building that he, they were going into when when Friday said building clear, and then he quickly just before they launched in the building said, "How much to buy that building?" And so, did he buy it? Did he act? Was there a visa charge on his? Was was there a charge on his Black American Express? Was destroy it? So did if anything, somebody would just cut. You know, he could just cut somebody a check, and they'll be perfectly fine. After the fight, right? He's like, "Oh, so sorry about the building. Uh, here you go. Here's a cover the damages. You know, here you go. This will take care of everything." 
Where was the setting of this this building though? That's what I want to. It's in Tokyo. That whole scene was in Tokyo. Was it in Tokyo? Oh no, the the subway was in Tokyo. They really didn't. I, I guess they didn't really get a handle on where that was in that fight scene. I'm not sure to be honest. No, there was white mili- white dude militia. I don't know the matters, but you know. I feel like maybe it was in Wakanda, but it felt like it was a lot further. And you, don't- I don't think it was. But there's a much glo- like a bigger global presence in this movie than compared yeah. to the last one. You seem to have more location sites, right? Yeah, I would say so. Instead of just what was it in the first one, New York, New York and they really you really didn't go anywhere else. Which I think this one they kind of took it a little bit further and made it more of a global problem instead of just a New York problem have this enemy that can go through the internet, you know, so he's kind of already a global presence. He's on everything, you know? Yeah, he's got that worldwide, WWW-wide action going. Oh, and by the way, this is Bobby, my younger brother, who also, this is his second time around, and we're in his beautiful new place, which is, I'm seeing it for the first time, which, by the way, props, very nice place, city of Brea, I love Brea, and they've got a cool little apartment, two-bedroom, it's just, it's just bomb, so nice place. But Bob, so this is your second time seeing Avengers as well. Yes, sir, it is, yes. So, are you in the camp with us, or that, that the second time around seeing Avengers 2 was actually better than the first time around seeing Avengers? I do have to agree, I think I'll complete the hat trick on this one. I am going to be the I am going to be the third third voice to say that you know what the second time was much better. Much 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 better because the first time I saw it it wasn't opening night. I wasn't as lucky as you guys to get there on a Thursday or a Friday night. <laughs> but I went there a few weeks after with my nephew um and when we saw it it was a packed house. And I mean like we had to sit on the edge of the aisles probably like the 10th or, fi- or 15th row up. You know, you're not in the middle, which I'm spoiled like that. I like the middle. So, uh, Me too, man. Yeah, we, had, we had to sit on the end, so which you can't really see the movie, but still the movie in itself was great. It really was. Um, my wife and I watched the first one last night, and she had never seen it before. And to see the first one and then jump right into the second one the very next day, you do realize a lot. Ooh, so, so Ashley, much like my wife, your wife uh, is just not uh, into this whole realm of things. And she saw Avengers for the first time yesterday? Yeah, yeah, first time yesterday. Which we got through about half of it. She fell asleep and we had to watch a little bit more this morning. <laughs> did you start late or did she think it was boring? No, we started late. We started late, which I'll give her credit there that she was into the movie, surprisingly. Uh, not being a nerd and not being into the comic books, for her to jump into it the way she did was awesome. And uh, I'm sure you know, like you said, your wife doesn't watch, uh, doesn't isn't into the comics like we are. But Hi, Patsy. She loves Walking Dead. But yeah, she's, you know, she's, she's I'm, I'm slowly converting her. Are you doing that too? Sorry to throw you out there like that, Patsy. I didn't mean to, but we need to know. Um... Yeah, you get a lot more excited when you're when a person that doesn't know anything about comics and doesn't know anything about the Avengers, Iron Man, the Hulk, uh, Thor, any of them, and they start getting excited about the movies. It makes you a little bit more into the movie. It makes you a little bit more excited to see the action scenes and, and the questions you really don't mind when they lean over and ask you, like, who is this? You don't mind telling them because you're like, okay, they're engaged. They want it. They actually want to see the movie, too. So it was fun to, it was fun to see her get excited about it. Um, I know she's a big Thor fan. Uh, oh, well, who isn't? He's so handsome. <laughs> See, 90% of the women that watch that movie are looking at Thor's right arm instead of... instead of They're just cooing in the theater. <sighs> yeah, beautiful golden locks that he has and his dreamy blue eyes. Yeah, and he can fly. He can fly. He's worthy. He can pick up the hammer. Well, so is Ultron. Or, I mean, uh, so is Vision. But oh, so before I forget, then what was your favorite part of the? I asked everyone else. I'm gonna have to agree with John. Uh, it was definitely the fight scene with Hulk and Iron Man. Um, go to sleep. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. Yeah, the whole Floyd Mayweather punches really fast and quick. I think we got somebody that can match up with Mayweather now. Um, but I think, he, I think he landed 187 uh, is the count. I just looked on the internet. 187 <laughs> to 54 for the Hulk. 
ding ding round 10 <laughs> no but it was uh that was definitely by far my my all-time favorite scene both movies to be honest I mean, I can't think of a better fight scene that you're going to have between two huge superheroes. Yeah, powerhouse superheroes than those two. So I think for comic fans and for Avenger fans, that was something that was long time waited. Yeah, I got to agree. Four for four right here. That was my favorite scene as well, just seeing Veronica slash Hulkbuster just go toe-to-toe and through buildings. And when you thought one it was going one way, it went the other. And it was just there was the, the... the rebound fights, the blocks, everything was just, it was so fast. You want to see it again. I mean, it was just just amazing. So, Ashley then, being brand new to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, mm, so what did you think of all this? You saw, What did you think of Avengers first? Oh, I loved it. It was really cool. Um, I was really interested after watching the first one. Um, I did fall asleep because it was really late. <laughs> but um, it was really cool. Um, I really liked it. It got me pumped to see the second one. I think I like the second one even better. Wow, look at that. The world was kind of on the, oh, it's not as good, but you like the second one better? I did. I did like the second one better. What made it better than the first one? Um, I just like that um, new characters were introduced. Um, old ones came back from different series. I did watch the Iron Man series, so I noticed a war machine, and I recognized those people that returned, so that was really cool. Boom! What was his line, right? Boom! And then... And they're like that. And then your buddy Thor was like, that's that's the story. That's a good story. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Well, and do you, have you read comic books? Or have you read any? Um, None of those. When I was younger, I did read a little bit of X-Men. So that was probably my favorite. Excellent. Well, there's a new movie for that coming out soon. Have you read comic books, Bob? Like, actually read them? I've never really... I used to. I used to. Not as much as... Uh, yeah, I used to think... Wait, what? Damn it. I used to take all of yours. Any of the ones that have smidge marks on them? That's me. That's where the butter came from and the oil marks. Yeah. I, I, I read them. Yeah. Is that peanut butter on my Spider-Man 17? Oh, it's jelly. Get it right. Um, I, I used to read them a little bit. I used to read the Green Lantern. Uh, I really liked the Green Lantern. And I did read a lot of the Fantastic Fours. Uh, Hulk was one of my favorite by far. Still, to, my, to this day, my favorite superhero known to man. Uh, who wouldn't want to be a big green rage monster? Me like Hulk too. And Justin, I know you've read a bunch of comics, of course. So we won't. Oh yeah, yeah, I've read a ton of comics only because you introduced me to them. <laughs> and last, brother John, John, have you actually read some comics? Like uh, comics I've ever read? Well, I read uh, a little bit of Iron Man and a little bit of Spider Man, just when you used to show me some of yours. But like, like Bobby, were you were you in my boxes when I wasn't around? You know, I'm going to leave that as a no comment. No comment. Um, and Everything you say here, it can be used in court. Well, as, until somebody has some fingerprints, there's no proof of anything. <laughs> well, that's going to wrap it up. Thanks, everybody, for the review on, on Ultron, Age of Ultron, Avengers 2. And I know it's been a while since that movie came out, but we all four or five of us saw it for the second time, and I thought we would take a moment and do a little review of that. So thanks, everyone, and love your place. Bob and Ashley, thanks for... Let me do the podcast here. Well, there you have it. And I hope you enjoyed that because I loved the heck out of that. That was just so much fun having my young, younger siblings nerd out and, my, and Justin and my sister-in-law. It was just cool. And we're missing a sibling. My eldest of my siblings, my sister, Carrie. Hi, Carrie. We'll, we'll talk more about her in the very near future. And let's just get right into the meat of the show. We're going to start off with some coming soon to TV and movies in a world. 
But <laughs> it just there's never any news about comic book movies coming out. There's just nothing. Zero. There's never any talk about comic books coming to TV. There's never any talk about comic books coming to the... Okay, who am I kidding? Yeah, we know. Anyway, this first article comes from the USA Today, saying the title is Deal Puts Umbrella Academy on TV Track. Umbrella Academy by Dark Horse, written by lead singer of the band that no longer exists, My Chemical Romance, which I loved. Gerard Way is an amazing talent in the realm of comics, and he wrote this Umbrella Academy series. Well, it's coming to TV. Universal Cable Productions has greenlit it, and I don't know how they're going to do this. It's so stylized. It's such a blast of color. It's a all these these kids that have unique powers, and the villain is just uh, so cool, and and has music, an orchestration blend. It's just a beautiful mess of. Of awesome. I don't know how they're going to pull it off. It's not animated. It's a live action TV series. So I'm so jazzed about that. Also in their lineup, Harrow County, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. Concrete, which is a fantastic, crazy, weird, almost like the thing sort of character, but much like much deeper emotional kind of kind of character and how they're going to do all these in live action, it, I can't wait to see because they're unique, they're a little different, and I'm totally excited about that. Second article uh, for, it's, it's from comicbook.com. First look, concept art for Steven Spielberg's postponed robo-apocalypse. They took, the, they took the art off, which is crazy. It's been removed. But Steven Spielberg's working on a artificial intelligence-like story, and they've had postponements. They've got big names on here. They were actually, looks like Chris Hemsworth, uh, Anne Hathaway, uh, Ben Wishaw, sorry if I messed that up from Skyfall, all lined up to star in this. And it was like, in the future, robots have been created to serve mankind. And the artificial intelligence is, de- is developed by the government, and all things go cuckoo. And that's been postponed, though, but Steven Spielberg jumping into the realm of artificial intelligence. So there will be a movie of that coming out soon. And, you know, when Spielberg does stuff, it's massively mind-melting. So looking forward to that. And that actually wraps up the coming soon to TV and movies in a world. Next up, coming soon to comic books. So just a couple of cool comic books coming out that jumped right into my face. And I was like, oh. Yes. First one's from film.com. Learn how Marty and Doc first meet in IDW's brand new Back to the Future comic book series. Why hasn't this happened a long, long time ago, right? But who cares? It's it's coming out. It's going to be sort of prequel-esque. IDW's jumping in there. They've got top-notch people. They've got even some help from Bob Gale, who's like a producer, screenwriter. So that's awesome. He has the professionalism of the whole movie industry and... And they're putting together top-notch people for this. It's not all lined up and locked down yet, but they're doing it, folks. Back to the Future comic books prequel, how they met and such. So totally looking forward to that. Looks like a miniseries. So that's good. I, I don't think they could... How could they do an ongoing and then get caught up into the movies, etc.? So looking forward to that. Gonna have to grab it. Back to the Future. Coming to comics. Next up, coming to comic books, I'm totally excited about this. Going back to Umbrella Academy, Gabriel Ba meets with Gerard Way next week to discuss drawing Umbrella Academy next month. So that was kind of news at San Diego Comic-Con. And 
pretty that's one of those highlights when I saw that in the headlines was like oh yeah because Gabriel Ba his art in Umbrella Academy was out of this world check it out and him and my chemical romance star Mr. Gerard Way are getting together to talk about Umbrella Academy 2 which we already discussed earlier greenlit for a TV show so I'm maybe more excited for another series of Umbrella Academy in the comic book realm so that was seriously seriously fantastic fantastic news and the last story in coming soon to comic books is James Bond shaken not stirred oh yeah but um they're <laughs> they're doing a comic book of um James Bond it's the title from uh, this uh, site The Independent James Bond gets first new comic book series in 20 years based on the brutal damaged original Warren Ellis is writing this. Warren Ellis has done everything from comics, TVs, novels, movies, TV shows. Iron Man 3 pops into my head. He just recently wrote some some of his, I think, his best work in Moon Knight just recently, which that uh, is top-notch. Always up there for almost making the top fives and beyond. But every single month I look forward to Moon Knight. Well, he's jumping into James Bond, so it looks like they're really going back to the beginning, showing this brutal world of, uh, of Ian Fleming's novels. And Warren Ellis is a novelist himself. He, I know he'll do the story justice. And looking so forward to that, James Bond coming to comic books. And that actually wraps up the coming to comic books part of the show. Going Coming up next is five feel-good factoid freebies. And I just like reading articles on comic books that are a little bit different, that just make me feel good, that are related to how communities are embracing comic books or how comic books are used in a different way that sort of flips the artistic medium on its head and just using it to help people and do good in the world. And so these are my five factoid freebies. The first one comes from a website called The Mazulin. And its title reads, Comic Books, A Hook to Help Kids with Literacy Skills at UM Camp. So this is like a camp dedicated to using comic books to help with literacy. And there's a picture of Caden Midget, which, horrible last name. I'm sorry, Caden, you have that last name. I would understand completely. His parents should understand if he changes his last name being Midget. It literally is M-I-D-G-E-T-T. So sorry. Caden, but um, he's writing speech bubbles for his comic about uh, Dr. Jeffrey, who ate pizza and turned into a mutant rat that shoots lightning. <laughs> so um, they're using this this cool camp. I mean, comic book camp. How cool is that? Where they focus upon the development, the design, the drawing, the art, the bubbles, the the words, the story from beginning to end in this comic book camp, along with other events that they have and watching watching movies and, and various TV shows and cartoons and etc. But then, of course, doing things, you know, outside. And they even have where they, they help clean up areas. Like, wow, like a camp that is showing kids the importance of cleaning up their community. I mean, and, and with comic books. And it was just, it just, the whole thing warmed my heart. So check that article out about the... Literacy UM Camp. Um, looks like Missouri, right? Missoulin. <laughs> so that's my first one. The second one from the website called Herits.com. T- 
title is The Return of the Jewish Brigade in Comic Books. The exploits of Jewish volunteers from the Yeshuv, I'm sorry if I'm missing pronouncing stuff, Y-A-I-S-H-U-V, Yeshuv, who fought for the British in World War II, are the subject of a new series of comic books in Belgium. So Belgium is actually digging deep into the history books here and embracing this story of Jewish soldiers that fought for for the British in World War II. And the art looks amazing, and this is where that history and art and comic books are coming together. Belgium putting a story together about this this Jewish brigade that fought the Nazis for the British. And just uh, there is fact uh, based into this story, and it just looks, the art looks great. Uh, It doesn't really show who this uh, Belgium artist is, but I'm going to try to find this when it comes out. There's no official release date, but interesting. I love when they dig into the history books and bring out something a little unique. So looking forward to seeing that. Uh, more to come maybe in the future. The third story from San DiegoCityBeat.com. New Point Loma Gallery devoted to art of comic books. So this is cool. I, I, I may have to make the trek out to San Diego soon when this art gallery opens up. But um, they're offering it for free. looks like for a time. Um, might be a small fee, which goes to the exhibit, of course, where they're primarily showing original art of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the original artwork of that, which was, I've seen it, the original art, it's it's gritty, it's a whole lot different than what you think, how it's evolved into what, the modern Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles today, but I'm going to have to make a trek out to this. Um, oh, the proceeds, uh, eventually when they start charging, will go to charity, which is fantastic. And Point Loma Gallery, that's cool. The, the, they sh- they're showing kind of a, a splash of it, and they've got these full pages up displayed in a really cool way, and that's what I'm going to have to try to check out, is original art from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on display out in San Diego. So check that out. The fourth story from the CPR.org website, it says, Eclectic Rose Red Elk creates comic books aimed at teens on the reservation. So Rose Red Elk is a Native American person that uh, it looks like she's primarily a musician, is putting together a comic book aimed at the teens that live in her reservation. So she's trying to reach the community in a way to tell her story of her culture um, to the younger generation. She's an, an older woman that wants to bring forward her, you know, she believes is her beautiful culture to all ages. She's even making it looks like a few different, uh, whether focused on different age groups. So for super, super young from two and up to even all the way to their mid thirties. So she's sort of sculpting her story focused upon the age group of who she wants to hit. But for the most part, the bulk of it here is based on or going for teens. So there's her, there's music from her culture, there's stories of her ancestors, and she's bringing it forward in comic book form. I mean, how cool is that? I hope that this eventually is somewhere where we can purchase it, where maybe proceeds go to the community, but I'll be digging, trying to dig that up later on down the road. That's just something that I've never heard of before. You know, uh, a woman that's a Native American making comics to share stories of her, of her ancestors and culture. So I'm in on that one. And the fifth and final, the finale of my five factoid freebies that make you feel good (laughs) is from the website Vanity Fair. 
and it's an article about... Uh, the title of it is Why the Future of Women in Comics Thinks It Helps to be Terrifying. Kelly Sue DeConnick, who is an icon in comic books, uh, she's written stuff like Pretty Deadly, Captain Marvel, which I guess she's leaving Captain Marvel, which is sad. Pretty Deadly, The Art is Amazing, and Bitch Planet. Fantastic, sort of satirical comics about women and the struggles they go through. But she, <laughs> it's a great article because recently she was pulled aside by some a media person that started asking a question. And I just have to read some of it. It's just, so it says here that she hates when she was in San Francisco, I guess, and, and someone from the media approached her. And she says that she hates when I get asked, what's it like to be a woman in comics? She tells them. Then, imagining her, imagining her sarcastic response, she says, Well, I sit around typing with my vagina, but that gets uncomfortable after a while. The notion that someone, somehow women are wildly different infuriates me. F those people. <laughs> and that's just the beginning, the, the, the teaser, the, the little taste at the beginning of this article about uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick, who is an amazing writer in the realm of comic books. So... Oh, and a note, it, it says right here, too, that uh, in 2014, females between the ages of 17 and 33 were the fastest-growing demographic in comics, according to comic book historian Tim Hanley. So she talks a bit about the growing interest in for females in the comic book realm. She talks about how, throughout the years, when she, how, when she walks into comic book stores and the reaction of people uh, that, that she gets from a, a woman walking into a comic book store. <laughs> so she shares that, which, uh, you know, is, I can only imagine, you know, it's like, Oh, there's a girl. What, what, why is she coming into the comic book store? But, uh, <laughs> I've seen that myself personally throughout the years, but she talks a little bit about that. So it just a, a, a great article from, uh, you know, a, someone that has a great voice in the realm of, you know, feminism and women's rights. And she's an activist in, in a lot of charities that, and programs that, are focused upon, you know, equal rights for women. And it just made me feel good because she's a, she's, she's a strong, fantastic writer that has a great voice and she has a great take. She's been in comics for a long, long time. So it's an interesting story to hear. Uh, check out Kelly Sue DeConnick in this article in Vanity Fair. So that is my final, the finale of the five feel good factoid freebies. Hope you like those five pretty good stuff. The next segment here I'm going to call Great White Shack. Do you like Shark Week? I do. I love Shark Week. Well, comicbook.com did a kind of funny article uh, titled Bite into Shark Week with the Top 5 Comic Book Sharks. And uh, this is hilarious. Check this article out. It basically highlights shark characters in the realm of comic books to give an homage to shark week <laughs> and the first one uh tiger shark i had forgotten some of these and and oh my gosh uh in the realm in marvel realm tiger shark bad guy uh crazy looking character that one always made me laugh street sharks i remember that started as like a cartoon i think and it highlights the character street sharks you know all these anthropomorphic shark characters shark girl she was in the in the marvel realm as well and yeah there's like a a, a cool picture of Shark Girl. <laughs> and it's, and she says, Come on, you blankety blanks. I'll eat you and your horses. And uh, <laughs> so, kind of a goofy character. Grizzly Shark. 
this one's written by um, drawn by Ryan Otley, who does Invincible, and it's like the story of how they sort of have a uh, a sea bear and a grizzly shark somehow, <laughs> and they show this shark jumping out of bushes and and chomping on people. And I need to look and find that grizzly shark written by Ryan Otley. Oh yeah, and then King Shark. King Shark looks like a DC villain as well, and they show him another anthropomorphic, like great white shark, you know, yelling "Ha, meat, meat, meat!" and <laughs> it's just corny and funny looking. But thank you very much, ComicBook.com, for making me laugh. Um, I didn't think I'd be able to find an article relating to Shark Week, Shark Week, and comic books. So nice way to tie two things I love together. <laughs> it's pretty funny, Shark Week. Great white shack. Okay, and before I get into my top five picks of new comic book day week of July 8th, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, I do read a whole bunch of comics. I talk about the sweetest nuggets in the my top five. Try not to give out the whole darn thing, but there will be spoilers. So there you go. You've been warned. But this week, new comic book day, July 8th, Oh my gosh, what a fantastic freaking week! There were 18 total comic books, and I gotta tell you, it was tough to pick the top five. It seems like it always is, but this week was so much good stuff. They were all so, I read them all so quickly. It was like my money was just well spent. The $53 or whatever it was I spent on comics this week. Way to go, comics. I'm just gonna give you a quick little, yeah, yeah, you deserve it. That's right. But I gotta give a quick before I go into the top five. I gotta give a little shout out to Big Man Plans, the finale. It almost made the top five, but Big Man Plans four of four by Image from Eric Powell doing art and the writer, his buddy Tim Weishwish. My goodness, I've never seen torture in such a graphic way before ever in a comic book. This is the most gruesome torture I've ever seen. So it was bold. It really went into an area an avenue I've never seen in comics. The most adult, mature-rated graphic violence I've ever seen. I had to turn the page, look away a couple of times. It's a revenge story of this little person, uh, and it's gruesome. He finally gets the bad guys, and just, man, almost made the top five, and I don't know, maybe because it was, at points, disgusting. (laughs) But anyway, uh, the top five were fantastic. Loved them all. Solid. And the first one, number five... From uh, Image Comics, Starve, number two, by Brian Wood, Daniel Zajez. My gosh, Z-E-Z-E-L, Zajels. I don't even know how to pronounce that. I'm not even going to try. Dave Stewart with Steve Wands. This is a story about uh, up in the future, you know, overpopulation, craziness in the world, which Image always does. But there's the most popular show is like a Food Network TV show called Starve, and our main character was this amazing star. He was on the show and then he left the show to live kind of a crazier life. Now he's trying to put his life back together. And this immediately reminded me of my sister. Hi, Carrie. Uh, never before have you seen a comic in the realm of, of culinary delights of chefs and food and food TV shows, but it's really in, in involved and, and it's really, it's got layers here of how he's really, you think he's just this complete a-hole, and now he's really putting his life back together, and it shows that he has a good heart, and he's trying to re- reconnect with his estranged daughter, 
and get his life back in order and be on top for this show. The last episode, they had to cook a dog. <laughs> and uh, and now it's like a contest, I guess. They also now show here that it's like they vote people out and there is a, a winner of this show. And he really just wants to win it. And his daughter's behind him. And that was kind of a touching moment where she says, like, go get him, dad. And Tuna is extinct in this future. And so the challenge of the show is to first find some tuna and then present it to the judges. And they're all the other chefs who are just aiming to put our main character down, which his name escapes me. They do some real complicated dishes and they highly, it made me hungry. I wanted sushi. I wanted tuna. I wanted to just eat fish immediately, which was a lot of fun. You're reading a comic and you want to eat some food. So well done. I want to see where this goes. Reminds me of my sister and she's in the food business and, and I even sent her a a, a big long text and said, check this out, Carrie. There's a comic book that delves into the realm of, of chefs and cooking and food in a futuristic, crazy society. So art is just dark and brooding and, and twisted and, and, the colors are real dark grays and dark reds and a lot of heavy shadow in this. So really well done. That's number five, Starve number two. And number four from Boom Studios, Strange Fruit. I love the title, Strange Fruit. Uh, one of four, miniseries, J.G. Jones on art and the infamous, the impeccable, the amazing Mark Wade on writing. So why hasn't J.G. Jones been drawing more stuff? He has like an Alex Ross sort of style. It looks like you're look, looking at Norman Rockwell paintings. The detail is insane. Very lifelike, very realistic. The faces, the eyes, the skin. It is like nothing I've seen in a long time. I opened it up and showed some people like Justin and random friends, etc. Opening the book up, you go, wow. It is a beautiful oil work sort of painting style that's just gorgeous. And it's a it's set in 1927 in the South, and you know a comic is good when you absolutely hate the villain and you want to see horrible, twisted things done to your villains? Well, this is the Ku Klux Klan. It doesn't get any more twisted than that, and they show this character in a like a juke joint, I guess, and he is there to break up the fun and get everybody working because there's heavy storms and the levees are breaking. So that's an interesting twist. And at the same time, this crazy meteor is launching towards earth, hits the earth and there's pieces of some sort of super suit and the KKK has to go and do their stupid thing and investigate. And this, it's like a Superman has landed. Um, and it's, beautiful the just the even the, the when he's drawing dogs he shows them kind of in action and running it's just so beautifully accurate and from the veins on the dogs and and when the dogs scamper away and are scared of our superhero that lands from this meteorite do you see the like the emotion in the dog's faces like it's it's just so well done so number four is strange fruit by jg jones and mark wade from boom studios well done number three archie number one written by mark wade yeah she's just all over the place mr wade and drawn by fiona staples fiona staples is one of my favorite artists right now doing saga oh my gosh and let me tell you i'm not a big archie fan i haven't collected a lot of it over the years i do afterlife with archie i love that zombie realm but this is a new direction. This is an all-new Archie, and I love this. 
it's a teenage tale of of drama and he they break the the, the fourth wall he, Archie's talking to the screen talking to us looking at us Fiona Staples art's ridiculous it's so full of color it's so vibrant really brings the whole it, it's like a like an episode of Smallville is kind of what it reminds me of and it the the heart of this is how you, everyone should have a best friend that has your back because Archie breaks up with Veronica in a incident they call the lipstick incident, which they don't talk about. They, they tiptoe around it. You don't know if some, Archie did something, if Veronica did something, who knows? I don't have the emotional deep resonance with these characters cause I'm not, I haven't read it, but she does. Uh, Mark does a great job of just making you interested in these characters right off the bat. And it's crazy how <laughs> Jughead, just that name cracks me up alone, Jughead, <laughs> um, how he really has Archie's back and people don't think he does. That's what ultimately is the heart of the story. People think that Archie should not have Jughead as a best friend, that, that he's, he's never done anything for Archie. Well, Archie does something here that has his back and it just, it, it, it had my heart. It, it won me over, let me tell you. So I'm going to tune into this more and see where <laughs> where this goes. But it was just a lot of fun, and it, uh, it taps on that, man, everybody should have this kind of best friend. Oh, in the back of the story, it shows a little chunk of Archie number 1 from 1941. And wow, from Fiona Staples writing it now to Mark Wade writing it to the original work, from 1941, it has come such a long way. Oh my gosh. And it was just nice that they they paid, you know, homage. They gave respect where needed. They they highlight a story very similar, which smart that uh, it ties into this current issue with Archie and Veronica. So just well done. And uh, I'm going to tune in. I have to. That's the number three. Uh, I can't believe I was... I, was that excited about Archie when I, I, I went in skeptical and loved it? Anyway, and number two, Harrow County. I think this was a pick of the week before. Uh, number three, um, Harrow County by Colin Bunn, Tyler Crook. And this really goes in the development of this character in a, in a really kind of deep emotional way. She, she has these witch-like powers, but she doesn't want to do bad with them. You know, this is a set in the, in the, um, the, uh, witch hunting days, the, in, uh, in, in Salem, Massachusetts, where the town is just anything that's different, any any woman that seems different, they want to hang her from a tree and burn her to a stake. Well, th- this character legitimately has witch-like powers, but she she wants to run away. She doesn't want to hurt people. She just she is has that hope and that innocence and that that goodness in her, and she just battles with that early on. Where she has a friend, she's running away, and she has a friend that's with her. And they run into a cemetery, and she can see these ghost-like spirits that look like they're on fire. The way they draw the spirits are cool. It's like these these flame ghosts, a little different than the way you have normally you normally see ghosts. So that I thought was cool, and the art is is ridiculous here. And she has an incident with her father, who is trying to put her down, and it's he's just not so. It's not just an easy thing to him. You can see in, in the in the way the artist has written the father's face, it's it's emotional and it's a hard thing to do. And he's hesitant, but he knows, he believes it's for the greater good and that she will be this demon that's going to just hurt people. And so 
they do just a fantastic job of of developing this character. So for me, this was uh, they're really in the long game here, and really setting up an interesting character that has that um, that dark passenger ability in her, but. She's trying to fight it and and do what's right. And then they put a like a spooky story at the very end. He uh, he uh, this this writer Matt Crook just writes a little creepy story at the end about the South and witches. And oh my gosh, that was that was creepy. Just a little like page from it looks like maybe his novel. And then they do like a mini story at the end where in the South there's this little family that. Every so often, they leave food dishes at this haunted house so that they believe the the so the haunted spirits don't come into town. And it just shows this family they cooked a, a wonderful meal and they leave it on the steps of this haunted house so to as their peace offering. So just creepy and uh, fantastically done. Not the biggest fan of horror comics. I've said this a million times, but this story is great and the development of their main character, this young girl. Who wants to run away? It's just so well done. And the number one pick of the week, which was a surprising pick that it made, that surprising myself. I don't know why. It's The Walking Dead, number 144, uh, written by Robert Kirkman, Charlie Adler on, on art. And I guess it shouldn't be too surprised. It's, it's always a solid read, but this one just really shows where things are about to get completely insane. There is this group called The Whispers. And they wear the skin of zombies and sort of live among zombies. And the opening page is of this gigantic horde, which I thought it was just all of the whispers. It's not. They've mingled in with zombies and they steer this massive zombie horde because the zombies believe they're just one of them. So it's a team-coordinated effort to have these giant herds of zombies in the direction they want them to go twisted and Carl's has run off uh, with his girlfriend who is in this group which they ran in by accident and really has a deep connection with her because he says that you know with his eye that's that's destroyed that she doesn't see him that way and she really he really has a deep connection because she just sees past his his physical ailment and sees him and so they have a deep emotional connection but he's chased her into this group and now rick's gotta get carl the heck out of there he knows that this is not going to end well and as he goes in there to try to get carl and now maybe even his new girlfriend out the alpha this leader this this shaved headed uh, female they call alpha she's the mother of the young girl that of young that's Carl's girlfriend and you think she's just this you know head of the pack this leading the group but as it goes on the little sort of twist there is that uh, when she gets in close to Rick which threatens him at first she's like get my daughter out of here so she's maybe into something she no longer has control of she may be she's not the just sort of open leader that's you know ready and willing to destroy rick's group and everyone in it she it's like a, maybe it's like a runaway train that she's just sort of hanging on to and fell into this and really doesn't want to be the leader of it so very very complicated sort of leader of this group that adds an interesting twitch that i thought was some fantastic writing here way to go kirkman 
makes her interesting, not just one-sided and one-dimensional, if you will. There's just dimensions to her. And and then when they finally say, okay, leave, get out, and she makes it uh, to where Carl and the daughter can leave by saying they're, they've been banished, which was smart by her to get her daughter out of there, they mention the border. <laughs> um, make sure your people don't go beyond this border. And they reference that. And when they find out what this border is, I'm just going to stop there. Oh my gosh. Uh, wow. It's a border like you've never seen. Um, there's a major character death in here, which I won't even... Sp- I guess I won't spoil it, but I'll just stop there. But way to go, Walking Dead. And I can't wait to see what happens. Major... He's the king of cliffhangers, Robert Kirkman. Kirkman, the king of cliffhangers. But wow, I just can't wait to see where this goes from here. So number one pick of the week, Walking Dead, number 144. Can't believe it's 144. Like, what, 11 years? 12 years? Insane. But man, fantastic. Good stuff. So that's going to do it. That's going to that's gonna wrap up the entire show. I hope you enjoyed issue number 10 of the podcast. And, and thank you very much again for tuning in. And please follow us at Sunspots Comics on Twitter and Instagram or check out the Facebook facebook.com slash sunspotscomics and check out sunspotscomics.com I gotta say there's some pictures I posted of some prototypes of some products I'm gonna be selling on the site so they're pretty cool it's fun and it's something unique and different that I think that we'll have to offer that will make us stand out from the rest so thank you for listening thanks for tuning in and there'll be a whole lot more coming and don't forget Storm in the castle. Think it'll like? It would take a miracle. Bye bye. Oh.